0: Studio 6B on a Friday night. Real America's voice. Glad you're in. Lots to do on another busy day. A day that it's good to be President Donald Trump. We'll get into that. Slick Rick Amirati going to be doing sports. Slick Rick, how are you?
1: Good evening, Big D. How are we doing tonight on a Friday night?
0: Pretty good. Like that <laughs> paisley jacket right there. I like that paisley uh-huh. jacket with that purple on. Looking good. Slick Rick, looking good. Rick Delgado. That's 2 a.m. Big. Naked Hammer Fight Club coming up tonight, <laughs> also known as
2: What Even Is That? How are you? Uh, good. Uh, it's funny that you, you mentioned that and you, you wore your favorite shirt. Yes, uh, I did. Will it will it be in tonight's What Even Is That? I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, oh, well, we'll see. That's a good
0: question. <laughs> that is a good question. 2 a.m. Naked Hammer Fight Club. Uh, I hope I didn't make the shirt for just a couple weeks. No, of course I not. I hope it might make a uh, an appearance tonight. I have a funny feeling that it just might we'll see we'll see what is the um what is the uh subject matter of your? what even is that tonight
2: uh questions that questions yes that you may not have expected people to start asking
0: okay and I noticed that one of the subjects of your, or the subject of your, well, not the subject, I guess, but the main orator of yes. your, uh, what even is, that is somebody
2: I actually mentioned last night. Yeah, which which kind of threw me off because I'm like, did you did you did you already read my script? And, I had not. You had not. That's no, the funny not. part. Nice. We're kind of we're kind of on the same wavelength, but well, then but then <laughs> then, I, then I realized, uh, no, it's just Damon not reading my emails oh, as boy. usual. <laughs> yes,
0: um, I don't know that we're on the same wavelength. Yeah. Now, but no. Let's get well, that straight. With
1: that wavelength, that boat's capsizing. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone else who's on your wavelength.
1: Okay.
0: Nanu, nanu. My dip over. My dip over. <laughs> um, but, well, you know, I mentioned him because... Uh, should I tell say who it is or is that give away too much?
2: No, you, no keep it to yourself. Okay, yeah. well,
0: I mentioned him because I, I think he's brilliant and I love his take on things. So the the fact that um when we are reading erica marsh who by the way there's some questions today on social media that erica marsh is actually a real person are you serious i swear to god wow they said that i think it, and I, you know who it was <laughs> who i freaking... think brought it up was one of the um Sekulow brothers, brother not jay his brother who are both attorneys both have a great show uh jay secular great uh, I think it was his brother, whose name, of course, escapes me now. I don't know why, other than I'm old. But I think he's the one who brought it up and said, you know, has anyone actually figured that this is a real person? Because if, if you run the credentials, nothing comes up. I think because she poses as a former Biden staffer.
2: Right. Yeah, that's what, that's what it says here. It's got the blue check mark and everything. So you would think, all right, this has been checked out.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I, I don't know. See if I can, fi- see if I can find it. Uh, Jordan Sekulau, I believe, now that I remembered his name, I think he's the one who said it. Uh, well, anyways, I'll have to look for it. But he, I think he said, does anyone know that this is actually a real person? Because if you run the credentials, nothing comes up. And to Fran's point last night on that, on that account, it seems like it's very, um, you know, look at me, look at me. And if she's out this morning, that account was out this morning saying, um, anyone know any good defamation lawyers? Let me, <laughs> let me know. Oh. So um, <laughs> the heat that that account must have taken yesterday from all sides, mm-hmm. rightly so, by the way, given that tweet, no black person will ever be able to succeed in a merit-based society. It's like, hello?
2: Well, Can she's you- been busy today. Uh, according to this. Let's see. She tweeted just a few moments ago, seven minutes ago, show your support for Joe Biden. Drop a blue heart below if you want to see him reelected in 2024.
0: Well, sure. They're pulling out all the stops because uh, I saw that he did a, I saw he did a video with uh, Barack. Boy, his old buddy oh. Barack came back in to do a video with him because Barack's looking for that fourth term. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, why
0: not? And, um, listen, I mean, if you're going to tweet on a day to support Joe Biden, what a day to do it because – what a day to be president Donald Trump today. And I hate and I mean I can't believe I'm going to say this. But in some respects you have to today point and give a little credit to uh, Mitch McConnell. Not a lot. But just just a little bit for holding open that vacancy created by Justice Scalia's untimely death because um that made possible the conservative-leaning 6-3 majority we have right now. That is a part of it, as much as I despise McConnell. You have to at least point to it and be fair about that point. But, but 99.9% of the credit goes to President Donald Trump and his three conservative picks, who have now been integral in, in, in three huge, in a week of huge landmark decisions, with just huge topics. Um, all encompassing life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So yep. v- uh, very big decisions.
2: And correct ones.
0: And correct ones following no, the Constitution. Seriously, Yeah. Of course, you wouldn't know that by looking at the left and listening to Joe Biden today, who, who retweets the New York Times headline about the student loan uh, redistribution of wealth that they clearly were going to sh- always sh- shoot down. And by the way, Biden knew it. Pelosi knew it. Pelosi was, <laughs> <laughs> Pelosi, if you follow me on Twitter or, or get her today, um, Pelosi was part of, the, part of the majority opinion. in that video that she famously, in front of um, her, when she was doing that press conference today, uh, not today, but when she was doing that press conference, I have it here. She was part of the decision. Want to throw this up on the screen, Aaron? <laughs> just, this, is, this is in the decision today. As then Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi explained. Nice photo.
1: <laughs> People think that the President of the United States... Is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know. Yeah. People think that the President of the United States has the power... For debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That would, that has to be an act of Congress. People think that the president of the United States. And they put
2: that in the opinion.
1: Is this more on the subject (laughs) than you ever want to know? (laughs) They put that in the opinion. Did they put her
2: actually quoting that? Uh, Did they quote her? Or did they just put the, uh, you know, the, the fact that he does not have that power to do that? No, they quoted her. Oh, good. Yeah. They put it's her quote in the opinion. <laughs> right, the great speaker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, but the loan, for, so the loan forgiveness, when you see the reaction today from Biden and you see the reaction from the left, that, that is exactly, as he attacks the court once again, he attacks the court today, the legitimacy of the court, as he as he's getting the response from the left-wing media, precisely that he knew he would get from people like Elizabeth Warren, who all put, in Bernie Sanders, who all put him in this position. He knew it was unconstitutional. They knew it was unconstitutional. They have said as much that it was unconstitutional. They pressed forward because they bowed the knee mm-hmm. to the squad and to Elizabeth Warren on this. And now they get the result that they knew they were going to get so that they can get, the, they can get the feedback and the outrage from the left and from all the talking media that they knew they were going to get. And they can point to it and not only fundraise off of it, but deal, try to delegitimize the court one more time and, at, and attack the court one more time when both sides openly conceded that it was unlawful. The whole time. But Biden listening to the puppets as the puppet and whoever the puppet master is went with it because he felt like he's got to buy off this voting block.
2: Yeah, but he, he, he just he just royally screwed himself because he didn't buy them off. Uh, the check bounced there, Joe. Looks like that, that money you thought you could spend or not spend or have other people not spend ain't working out. Well but that might be true that today, here's
0: the issue is, they're going to redouble down and triple down on their efforts. Just like yesterday, as you saw right away, uh, all, of the, all these leftists have these ideas on Nate's colleges how to get around the affirmative action. They're going to do the same, if not more, to a, to a higher degree on this. Elizabeth Warren already out this afternoon by saying the president has more tools. He needs to throw every one of them at this. He is a tool. Biden out today talking this afternoon about it as well. So they're going to double and triple their efforts uh, on attacking the court, attacking the legitimacy of the court, attacking the makeup of the court. If this Democrat Party ever had all three branches of government, I don't know how we even made it through the last time. If they ever had all three branches of government again, this country would seriously be doomed.
2: You know what's crazy? They did up until, uh, you know, what, six months ago? Eight months ago? No, six months. Uh, they did have all three branches, and they didn't get it done. Why is that? Because they knew they couldn't. I think even within their party, they knew they couldn't, which is why they're, ah, just doing an executive order. We know we can't get this passed.
0: Right. But you when know. I say control, I mean more than 50-50 in the Senate. If they ever had true control, where they had majorities in both that were even somewhat substantial, you, right. you know, five or six in the Senate even is enough. The damage that they could do, you know, 50-50 in the Senate with Kamala Harris is even slightly a firewall. But if they ever had a five, six seat majority in the Senate right. and they had a, a 20 seat majority in the House, we, we would be doomed. The Supreme Court would have 15, 16 people on it. You'd have D.C. as a state, Puerto Rico as a state. You'd have extra senators, Democrat senators. You'd have a more wide open border than you can. Every institution about this country would be under full scale attack if it's not already. Which most of them are. They just can't be to the degree they want. You'd be, they'd be telling you what you can drive, what you can, what you can eat, what you can build your house with, what kind of roof you can have, what you can do. I mean, it would just be everything. You think you're overtaxed now, overregulated now? The Green New Utopia would be... uh, uh, The degrowth movement would be in full. You know, no admissions till 2030. I mean, it would be just... I see this report today out of the New York Post. New York state tax revenue reportedly falls nearly 20%. Well, how do you think the governor of New York (laughs) is going to make that up, New Yorkers? Which I'm one of.
2: Yeah, me too. Me too.
0: All of us here.
2: Oh,
3: yeah.
0: What do you think is going to happen? How do you think she's going to make that up? He's not... Mm. Hmm. Well, she's going to try. What do you think (laughs) your property taxes are going to be? What do you think? I
1: mean, what what do you think? What are they now? (laughs) Ridiculous. (laughs) What
0: do you think the regulations will be? She'll she'll make sure you don't, you know, forget your gas stove, forget this, raise your taxes, raise this, raise the sales tax, raise the gas tax, implement this tax, implement (sighs) that
2: tax. Mileage tax.
0: We got to make up 20%. Why do you have to make up 20%? Because people have had enough. People vote with their feet. And they say sayonara, out of here, Florida, Texas, other places, huge amount of wealth coming into these places, because people are sick of it. All right, just getting started, I'll go through this and give you the actual real numbers in New York. Uh, We'll do news and sports, a lot to do on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Live from Studio 6 B, 17 past the hour on a Friday night. Glad you're in. Uh, Rick Delgado's got the news. Plus, she's got a What Even
3: Is That coming up top
0: of the hour, 9 p.m. Don't, uh, don't want to miss that, so stay tuned. Uh, Aaron and Fran holding it down, as always, lots to do. I saw Aaron, uh, Aaron, I saw Karen and um, Ed this morning out at Bedminster. Great show. They had oh, yeah? a lot of great guests nice. out there. Harry on the highway, I believe, was on the ground with them as well. David
2: Zier, did you see David Zier? Oh,
0: Zier's down there, yeah. I did not see David Zier, um, but I know he was there as well. But I didn't, I I don't know. He may have, he may have, maybe I missed it. I walked away to make a (laughs) coffee or something, but I, I did not see him, no, so. Um, all right, 7, 18 past the hour, live from Studio 6B. Let's do some sports. Man, there's a lot of sports news out today. Get woke, Go broke or, yes, or man, baby. Wow. get fired at least or, yeah, or get man. laid off. Man, oh man, I don't know if the, all of it has something to do with each other. You'd have to think it probably does. We'll see. Sports is brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and My Pillow. Use our code LFS6B at checkout. And if you do, let us know. And if you do, you want this 2 a.m. Naked Hammer Fight Club shirt. We'll Ooh, send it to you for beautiful. free. If you send us your my pillow uh, receipt that shows you used our code and uh, we'll get it out to you. So just got to tell us what size, what color you want, and we'll send
1: it out. Slick Rick, what's going on in sports? All right, well, it's Friday night. You know where we're going to go. We're going to go to the rodeo. rodeo. <laughs> Here we go. Greeley Stampede and Greeley Collar Rodeo in uh, Island Grove Arena. Here we go, Big D. It's all final wrapped up, bareback riding. The winner was Mason Stuller, half points on Butler & Son Rodeo's Neutrinas Tic Tac, not Tic Tac, Tic Tac, Steer Wrestling, Gus Friends in four seconds flat. Team roping. We had Peter Bennett and Jake Rodriguez, five point nine seconds. Saddle bronc. Damian Brennan, eighty-seven half points on Butler and Son rodeos. Greeley hat works four Woo, What's a mouthful? Sixteen fifty tie down roping. Shane hanshee a great Shane hanshee fantastic uh, roper there, eight point three seconds. Barrel racing. Carly Atero, 16.44 tenths. That's an excellent score. Bolt riding, the final. Kanan Cravens, 88 points on Butler and Son Rodeos. Trans Am. Oh, I love that name. I love that car. Brings back great memories. That's, uh, he picked up, let's see, 1628. Total payout on this rodeo, 45000 800 big ones. And as Big D alluded to, a lot going on at ESPN today. I got to tell you, big layoffs. ESPN cutting around 20 on-air stars in dramatic round of layoffs. This is Andrew Marshan of the New York Post. ESPN is laying off some of its biggest stars, including Jeff Van Gundy, Max Kellerman, Keyshawn Johnson, Susie Colbert, and Jalen Rose, or wow. Jalen Rose, in a purge that is expected <laughs> to result in around 20 on-air personalities being let go on Friday as the network hopes to save tens of millions of dollars the Post has learned. ESPN informed all of its employees Friday morning they said, happy 4th of July weekend, and by the (laughs) way, out the door you go! So, uh... Really, just big news. The five paragraph note uh, did not go into many specifics. Uh, however, at the beginning of Disney's three rounds of layoffs, sources told the Post at ESPN there would be no sacred cows when letting go of personnel. This has become apparent on Friday. Van Gundy, Kellerman, Johnson Colbert, and Rose were joined by NFL Countdown analyst Matt Hasselback, NFL draft expert Todd McShay, college basketball analyst Lafonso Ellis, Sports Center anchor Ashley Brewer, radio host Jason Fitz, and uh, also baseball writer to Joan Lee. Uh, Van Gundy is considered one of the best NBA team g- game analysts ever, while Johnson signed a big contract just a year ago. Last week, the Post reported the network was scrapping its morning radio show that featured Kellerman, Johnson and Jay Williams. Kellerman makes in the neighborhood of $5 million a year. Yeah, small change, right? Uh, Johnson is in the second year of a five-year $18 million deal. Williams is a contract that's up at the end of the summer. It is possible Williams could emerge as a replacement for Ellis. So on uh, Monday Night Football pregame, besides Colbert's departure, Hall of Famer Steve Young was considered in jeopardy. Uh, ESPN's parent company, Disney. Disney previously had three rounds of layoffs with the goal of eliminating 7,000 jobs, which were ordered by the company's, company's CEO, Bob Eager. During those rounds, ESPN let go behind-the-scenes people, including longtime employees like uh, Rus- Russell Wolf, uh, Mike Soltis, and uh, Chuck Salatero. So a lot of big names, a lot of heads falling off uh, this weekend, Big D. Mm. Over at ESPN. Wow. So we'll probably have more of a recap when we get back on next Wednesday after a long holiday weekend. Uh, and I'll, I'll keep you up to date with any of the changes at that point. And that's a wrap in sports big D back to you.
0: Yeah, and you know, Bob Iger when he left, he obviously left and then came back and now yeah. he's making all these decisions to unload. I'm surprised on I'm stunned on Gundy. Van Gundy. Yeah. Uh yeah. and and if Mike Breen had any say in that, because him, Mark Jackson and, and Van Gundy are the three. I mean, those are the three voices of the NBA finals. No question. No um And Susie Colbert, I'm surprised that yeah, she's, she's excellent, excellent on Monday Night Football. I, I I'm, I'm
1: surprised on her. Me too. I'm very Those surprised. Those are the two.
0: Everybody else, get out. Yeah, I know you don't like
1: Kellerman. <laughs> Kellerman's good with the boxing. Oh God, Kellerman,
0: thing. get out, get <laughs> out. And the other, the other, uh, the other guy on, and uh, the Raven, the other former player there from Michigan, Jalen. Oh, oh, Jaylen, uh, that guy, out, he is so Rose. woke.
1: I got a story. Oh. I'm gonna have a little story on him coming up. He's gotta go. He was the Mount Rushmore comment years ago, and get also out. he made uh, "Make America Great Again." He said that was a the dog whistle for racism. Yeah, and remember that? No, he's terrible. Yeah. Anyway, that's a wrap, Big D. All <laughs>
0: right, very good. Let's do. Uh, we'll do. Uh, Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and My Pillow. Uh, Let's do some news. News is brought to you by our friends over at Early Treatment Meds. Uh, What's
2: going on, Rick Delgado? All right. Well, since Rick brought up the topic of layoffs, let's continue with layoffs. This particular one coming from a Russian bank overseas. Yes, a Russian bank executive was found dead under mysterious circumstances last week. After she fell out of an 11th floor apartment window. So you're classifying this as a layoff? I'm thinking,
1: I'm okay. thinking they, they didn't require uh, her services. She, she literally got pushed out of a job. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Christina yeah, laid ba- out sounds more that's like right, it. Laid out. <laughs> Christina
2: Bykova, only 28 years old, died oh, at approximately geez. 3 a.m. on the morning of June 24th in Moscow after she plunged from her 11-story floor apartment window down to the street below. The 28-year-old worked as a vice president President of Local Bank, making people crazy, I guess. Uh, and was having drinks with a friend in the moments leading up to her devastating and mysterious death, according to the friend. Well, this is not funny. I know mean, you're reading this wow. with a smile on your face. <laughs> um, was,
1: she was climbing the corporate ladder when she fell. <laughs>
2: <Come on. laughs> well, she lost her grip, obviously. Uh, yes. who's been identified as a thirty four year old male named Andre. Uh, the pair were chatting and drinking together on Friday evening inside Bankov's Moscow apartment when around three AM. Uh, the young executive stepped out on the balcony and uh, plunged 11 floors down to the sidewalk below. Why are you laughing? Um, I don't know about you, but it seems like maybe they're missing railing in the uh, country of Russia. I don't it's know. It's not funny. She's 28 no. years old.
1: No. No, sh- exactly. And, and
2: she was quite a it looker a as well. If you find a picture of her, you'll see it. Mm. Uh, Andre reportedly called an ambulance immediately, but Bulkova was ultimately declared dead at the scene from her injuries. That's, yeah. a, that's really surprising. Well, yeah, that 11 happens. floors. That'll yeah. do it. Yeah. Uh, uh, and in a related Horrible. story, uh, Alexander Kolodich, uh fifty eight, he was found dead and buried under his own home in the Russian capital earlier this month. The uh deputy of the Duma uh uh medical uh facility there ruled it it was a suicide, as you can tell because they found the uh sure they found the shovel next to him <laughs> and underneath his home. <laughs> wow. He, he reportedly held major committee positions and was also well-connected in the country's political machine pr- prior to his sudden death. Yeah. Uh, this adds <laughs> to the more than 40 major what was that Russian old figures. Take this job what? and shovel it? No, no. <laughs> 40 major Russian figures who have mysteriously died in the last 16 months. Uh, Deputy Science Minister... Uh, Petro Korchenko died on a plane from Cuba to Moscow in May, shortly after he condemned Putin's war on Ukraine. Uh, no autopsy was given, but according to his family, the 46 year old's death was linked to a heart condition that happens when somebody murders you. <laughs> so,
1: that's. Uh, his heart wasn't into the job I anymore. Mean, where, where are these
0: stories from? Yeah, what this is, is this? Like the, like the obituaries no, this, today? What no, is this? This is from
2: uh, MSN. Oh. Yeah, you can Man. find it. It's okay. a mounting death toll. Jeez. Or now open jobs, depending on how you look at it. Wow. What? It's a Friday night. Live from Studio <laughs> 6B.
0: More news if you can take it when we get back right after this. <laughs> if it doesn't kill you. Thirty minutes past the hour, live from Studio Six B on a Friday night. Real America's Voice, of course, uh, streaming on the Real America's Voice website. Over on Getter, of course, at Real AM Voice on Getter. Make sure you follow all the social media for Real America's Voice. Make sure you follow all our social media for LFS Six B at LFS Six B. Pretty much everywhere, other than Instagram, where we are LFS Six B Show. Uh, more important, most importantly, though, make sure you go over to livefromstudios6b.com Become a site member. Sign up. Name, email. Make sure you're a site member, and you can just you could also just put your email in and get on the mailing list on the homepage. But if you want to become a site member, actually sign up. You can use your Google, and you can use your Facebook, I believe, to, or Twitter to sign up. It's pretty easy. It takes about I don't know 10, 15 seconds to do it. Uh, and then you're a site member. We send out great emails. We send out coupons, all kinds of great stuff, and of course, all of our merch, all of our videos, everything is there. It's your one-stop shop for live from Studio 6B, and that is livefromstudio6b.com. Uh, all right, we were doing the, I, I think, the, I think the news, and we're going to do some more news now. Okay, maybe some news sure. that happens within the. Um, Continental United States, maybe.
2: Oh, this one's close. <laughs> okay, oh, close. We're,
0: getting, we're working our way back here. And that, now. of course, was uh, with Rick Delgado.
2: What's going on? All right. Well, you asked for it. You got it. More death. Uh, this one coming is a TV doctor and vaccination expert. Dr. Alfredo Victoria dies suddenly at age 42. The popular oh. Mexican TV doctor who regularly appeared on Mexico Today. Uh, as a vaccination expert, died suddenly from myocarditis, according to reports. Dr. Alfredo Victoria Moreno was only 42 years old when he died in his sleep early. Monday, he was a vocal advocate of the COVID mRNA vaccines, and his global fan base took to social media to mourn his untimely death. They referred to his passing as a tragedy. The physically fit medical doctor and public health specialist had no pre-existing medical conditions. What a surprise. He regularly Appeared on OI today in Mexico to administer vaccines to the show's staff on the air. Dr. Alfredo also encouraged his 440,000 Instagram followers to get vaccinated. He had a large following on TikTok as well and ran the website provaccines.com. Uh, Anti vaxxers uh, added Dr. Alfredo's name to the long list of young people who died suddenly of heart attacks or strokes within the last two years. So, uh, uh, arrivederci. No, that's, uh, that's, fr- that's, what is that? Is that French? That's <laughs> Italian. That's Italian, That's right? Italian. Yeah. As, as to see you later, <laughs> well, Dr. Uh, you, hear you heard
0: Alfredo went right to Italian. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And speaking of vaccines, turns out this one coming from the New York Post, a uh, Dr. Fauci advisor hid emails from a FOIA request by using a personal account. Yes. Why would they be hiding emails? A senior scientific advisor at the uh, National Institute of Algae and Infectious Diseases said he used personal email account to dodge Freedom of Information Act requests and even deleted some emails during the COVID-19 pandemic. This, according to the records obtained by House investigators, the House Select Committee uh, on the coronavirus pandemic revealed that the emails saying that Dr. David Morin's a 25-year-old national institutes of health veteran who served under dr anthony anthony fauci potentially broke the law in one alarming estra- exchange Murrins told bloomberg reporter jason gale that the white house and department of health prohibited him from talking about the COVID origins of on the record, but that he had recently been given latitude to discuss the matter as long as he didn't mention his boss. Tony doesn't want his fingerprints on this, according to Morin's in a July 29, 2021 email. The email first published by The Intercept shows messages to a group of scientists who published a now infamous paper in Nature magazine that attempted to debunk the so-called lab leak theory. The, uh, on September 7th, EcoHealth Alliance President Peter Daszak also wrote to Morin's about the intercepts reporting on the coronavirus research, saying the lab leakers are already stirring up the bull lines of attack and will bring some negative publicity our way, which is what this is all about—a way to line up and attack on Fauci or the risky research attack on all of us. He said. So he kind of writes it there. Don't rule out suing these bl- blanks for slander, Morin's replied, referring to the intercept report and. EcoHealth Alliance sent more than $2 million in subgrants to NIH and U.S. agency for the international development of the Wuhan Institute of of Virology. According to the GOA, they found that out earlier this month. So lots of more stuff starting to come out regarding the pandemic, who knew what, when they knew it, emails, uh, deleted emails, you name it, it's all starting to come undone. And uh, Dr. Fauci is uh, sitting in front of his $18 million home, taking in the sun.
3: Yeah.
0: All right, very good. We'll do some more news with Rick in a little bit. New York Post today New York State tax revenue reportedly falls nearly 20% as Florida and Texas see a boom. New York State is reeling. From a COVID-era exodus to low-tax localities, as revenue during this fiscal year is down nearly 20%, according to a report. That is a huge number. New York and California saw the steepest drops in tax-generated revenue this fiscal year, while Florida and Texas saw their coffers fill up thanks to a pandemic-fueled migration. New York has collected 19.5% less in levies, while California has seen its state tax revenue fall by a whopping 24.9%, oh, wow. Wow. Even worse, according to data revealed by Bloomberg today. Meanwhile, Texas reported a 12.12% growth <laughs> in state tax revenue, while Florida has collected 10% yep. more in levies. There's the other half. So far this fiscal year, according to the data compiled by Urban Brookings Tax Policy Center. In Texas, the windfall has translated into a record $33 billion surplus, prompting uh, Governor Abbott to seek tax cuts. The disparity can be explained by the shrinking tax bases of New York and California. Each state saw their populations fall by nearly 300,000 residents in the year ending last July, while Florida and Texas added 888,000 collectively, according to the Census Bureau. Recently released data from the Internal Revenue Service shows that New York and California lost a total of more than $90 billion in income during the pandemic as residents fled to areas with a cheaper cost of living. New York lost $25 billion in adjusted gross income in 21 and $20 billion back in 2020, while california reported a net loss of 29 billion in 2021 and 18 billion in 2020 in total the two states lost 100 billion dollars in two years on the other end of the spectrum florida brought in 39 billion in income from 2021 and a significant increase from the 20 that's a significant increase from the 28 billion it generated in 2020 Palm Beach County alone reported an $11 billion gain in income in 2021, the IRS said. New York is staring down the barrel of budget deficits after federal COVID money has now dried up. The recently released state budget financial plan projects budget gaps of 5.1. Now, these are state $5.1 billion in fiscal year 2025 $8.6 $8.6 billion in fiscal year 2026, and $7.2 billion in fiscal year 2027, totaling a full three-year budget deficit of $21 billion. Wow. <clears throat> Meanwhile, California lawmakers this week approved a $310 billion budget uh, that cl- closes a nearly $32 billion budget deficit while also extending a lucrative tax break for the state's film and television industry, the nation's most populous state has had combined budget surpluses of well over $100 billion in the past few years, enabling the Democrats to greatly change and expand the government. But this year, revenues slowed as inflation soared and the stock market struggled. California gets most of its revenue from taxes paid by the wealthy. Oh, really? Hmm. making it more vulnerable to changes in the economy than other states. Last month, Governor Newsom estimated the state's spending would exceed revenues by more than $30 billion. (laughs)
1: Wow. That is devastating. That is devastating.
2: Especially if you live there. Yeah. Because they don't have a plan to fix it. Like their plan to tax people only chases more people away. Right? Yeah. Th- when prices go up, you tend to avoid things like an entire state.
0: When you come up with self-defeating legislation and then you wonder why your tax base runs from you yeah. and it's shrinking.
2: Yep. That's insane. Yeah. I wonder how that's going to affect, yep. you know, because there's a lot of, uh, especially in Long Island, a lot of state employees between teachers and police and, and you name it, up and down, all around the, all around the island. That's going to really, really affect. We got to get Doug Smith on the show. Local area,
1: yeah. We got we to get Doug on the show. Maybe next week. I'll try to see if I can get him on. Big D. And
2: what do you
0: think? What do you think a um, What do you think a governor in a state does when their uh, tax base shrinks like this? How do they make up the money? Where do you think it's going to come from? Oh, it's going to come from the ones who remain. Yep. Yep. It's going to get jacked up on the ones who remain. Ask Detroit, by the way, how that works. Ask some other places that have tried this how that works. And you know, you're losing productive businesses, you're losing productive citizens from this because of your own policies, but they just don't ever see it. And again, they have to always pan today Mm -hmm. to sell you tomorrow. Right. They always have to pan today. Find someone to blame. Find a scapegoat for today. Oh, it's this fault or it's that fault. It's COVID's fault. It's Republicans' fault. It's MAGA's fault. Whatever it is. But don't you worry because just a little more of this, you give up a little more liberty. You give up Mm -hmm. a little more of your tax dollars. You give up a little more of your freedom. Give a little more of your wealth. We'll get a little more government. And don't worry. We're on our way to utopia. Yeah.
2: If you just give us a little bit more government, we can fix all of this. We'll show you. You just have to let us do it. Meanwhile, like like you said, not only are they they losing right now because people are leaving the state, and and we're talking California, New York, and and probably Illinois as well, among others. You could probably throw in there New Jersey too, Um, but they're losing their future. Like like when people retire and they decide, okay, I'm off to uh, greener pastures or warmer climates, uh, where's your future going to come from? Those people can't afford to, to, to even come back if they leave. If they leave to go to school and get a degree and want to start a business or start a family, they can't afford your state. A lot of time they take their kids with them, too, yeah, by
0: the way. Exactly. More and more these days, kids staying home longer, not getting out in the house as early, staying into the house later into their 20s, 30s, sometimes early 40s. Yeah. You know?
2: And, and then they sit there, they want to blame Republicans, but hey, you guys are in charge of your state. There's no Republican running, you know, the state of California. These are iron-fisted, yeah. top-down, one-party
0: rules forever, specifically California. And to think, of the cha- to think of the change in California from a time where it was a reliable red state Yeah. to now, you can't, couldn't imagine, it'll never... You'll never have a, a Republican, anything there. Yeah. Governor, any control of either. I mean, nothing. And it used to be
2: a wealthy state. Sure. New it, York it, is heading that way, too. Yeah. I mean, I rem- like I said, I think I've said this a few times on the show. I remember growing up where, you know, you looked at California. The high schools were, they, they were some of the best high schools in the country. There's so many positive things came out of California. It was yeah. like, that was the ideal. It's like, oh, my goodness. Look at what they can do out there. It's crazy. Give us our best president ever, yeah. in my opinion, Reagan. And then uh, now look at it. It's, it, it's like a, like a broken-down
0: RV. Yeah. Even in New York, the days of a Republican governor seem like they're so – I mean, I can't even imagine that we had one at one time.
2: <laughs> or that uh, Lee Zeldin actually got pretty close. Oof. Yeah. Not close enough. All right, more to do on a Friday night.
0: Sports and news coming up live from Studio 6B. 13 to the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night, Real America's Voice. Glad you're part of the show. As always, Slick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's doing the news. What even is that coming up top of the hour? Aaron and Fran holding it down. As always, lots to get to. We'll talk a little bit about the Supreme Court today. Again, um, just more landmark rulings from the Supreme Court. Uh, Justice Gorsuch today is the one that held the flamethrower. It was uh, Justice Thomas yesterday. You know, it's... um, It's an interesting, it's kind of a weird thing to see one day discrimination, the left-wing wackadoos on the court, all for it. (laughs) Let it go forever. If it's Harvard or it's UNC, discrimination, good. In this case today that gets decided on this web designer, oh, bad. (laughs) I mean, again, check your common sense at the door when dealing with these people. They argue the exact opposite thing on, on, on consecutive days. Yesterday, it was good. Today, it was bad. I mean, you really, I mean, you look at some of these opinions that have been written in the last two days. And you think, I, I don't know, the, like law—I mean, like a first-year law student at the, the community college couldn't write a better opinion. And Gorsuch just smoked uh, today saying this opinion is almost illiterate it, it actually <laughs> he wrote at one point I, I i don't want to misquote him but he says something like it fires against itself on the points that it makes earlier in the in, in the opinion he says it's difficult to read the dissent and conclude we are looking at the same case much of it focuses on the evolution of public accommodations laws And the strides gay Americans have made towards securing equal justice under the law. And no doubt there is much to applaud there. But none of this answers the question we face today. Can a state force someone who provides her own expressive services to abandon her conscience and speak its preferred message instead? this is a case that's, and even in the reporting of the case, is being misrepresented. My understanding of it is this, this girl who does this web design did not say she would not work with a gay or lesbian couple. Right. If a gay and lesbian couple came in mm-hmm. and said, hey, we're opening a landscaping business, we need a landscaping website, no problem. Exactly.
2: Well, uh, I ha- that's one of my, my next stories,
0: believe it or not. That she um, did not want to partake in having to develop or draw or sketch or come up with what she thought were either gay and lesbian pictures that were going to it was going to be up to her to come up with that she she did not feel she felt that violated her her religious beliefs and and her free speech and her free speech speech rights right yeah not that she blanket said oh if you're gay lesbian don't come in my store that's not at all what it was but you're hearing that In the feedback today, as if it was just this blanket, the court is making, you know, it's just, you know, they're making it something it's not. At least in my very brief reading of it,
2: Well, the name of the woman is named Lori Smith. She's the owner of 303 Creative, a Denver-based website design firm. Said she didn't object, like you said, uh, serving LGBTQ customers only same-sex weddings because Smith's websites are custom creations. They represent her speech as well as her customers, Her lawyers has argued. Smith was never approached by an LGBTQ couple seeking a matrimonial website, though. Rather, she wanted the high court to invalidate the, Chicago, the Colorado law before that could actually happen. Alliance Offending Freedom, uh, Representative Smith, said the decision underscored the idea that the government can't mislabel speech as discrimination to censor it. Uh... The U.S. Supreme Court rightly affirmed that the government can't force Americans to say things they don't believe, which is what she was arguing, said Kristen Wagner, the group's president. The court reiterated that it's unconstitutional for the state to eliminate from the public square ideas it dislikes, including the belief that marriage is a union of a husband and wife. Critics said Smith's argument would allow businesses to skirt the anti-discrimination laws. So Justice Gorsuch says, "Can a state
0: force someone?" She says, "When when he says when the dissent finally gets around to that question, more than halfway into its opinion, it reimagines the facts of the case from top to bottom. And then he lays out. And then he says, in some places, the dissent gets so turned around about the facts that it opens fire on its own position. For instance." While stressing that a Colorado company cannot refuse, quote, the full and equal enjoyment of its services, end quote, based on a customer's protected status, the dissent assures us that a company selling creative services, quote, to the public, end quote, does have a right, quote, to decide what messages to include or not to include, end quote. So if that's true, what are we even debating so this is all in Justice Gorsuch's uh, concurrence today. Yeah. Just a flamethrower over at Ketanji Brown-Jackson and the other two liberals on the court. Basically saying your, your, your dissent is illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll do more on this in uh, Hour 2. What even is that coming up? Top of the hour, but right now, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by Mike Lindell and Pillow. So, Rick, what's going on? All right, from the Supreme
1: Court to the Supreme Rodeo of all Big D, this would be the world's oldest rodeo, 1888, almost as old as baseball. Prescott, Arizona. And here we go to Prescott Rodeo Grounds, second-round bareback riding leader, Cole Reiner, 88 and hit points on championship Rodeo's. Pass the Hat. I like that name. Steer Wrestling, second round. Tyler Waggis pack, 4.7 seconds. Team Roping, we have Dalton Turner and Clay Clayman, 6.2 seconds. Saddle Bronx through right, 86 and half points on Kirsten. Vold Rodeo Company's Moon Valley. Tie down, second round, Ryan Jarrett. seconds. Bow Racing, Sheena Robbins, 17.45 tenths. Steer Roping, third round, Brian Gart, 10.6 seconds. Good score there. Bull Riding, T. Parker, 90 and a half points. Kirsten Vold Rodeo's Easy Sid, $303,479 payout. And here we go. Former card slugger Jim Edmonds, Angers, the Wokes, saying Indians, Redskins were cool names. Boy, I hear that in the chat all the time. Dylan Gwinn of Breitbart, former Major League Baseball great and current Cardinals broadcaster Jim Edmonds, raised the ire of the radical left on Thursday night after he dared to say that sports teams with Native American nicknames such as Indians and Redskins was a cool thing, quote-unquote. Edmonds made the comment during the Astros-Cardinals game as he and fellow broadcaster Chip Carey uh, discussed renaming sports franchises. Edmonds remarked that he had no issue with the teams having Native American mascots in fact he actually thinks it's a good thing I always thought it was kind of a cool thing not a bad thing to have a team named after the Indians or vice versa whatever the Washington Redskins Edmonds opinion Uh, Edmonds added I actually got quite a few messages on social media about some of the teams and then you know it's really funny when people reach out to you and say hey I'm from this area and we really love our baseball here and somebody else will say yeah I wish they had the old name that they used to have it's just funny to hear everyone's opinion well well, guess who thought it, was, it wasn't it was fun or funny to hear everyone's opinion? A bunch of liberals on Twitter, that's who. Edmonds was promptly blasted by many who didn't appreciate his opinion of all. Of course, all Edmonds is guilty of is agreeing with what 90% of Native Americans believe. A 2016 Washington Post poll found that in nine of 10, Native Americans were not offended by the t- term redskins, but in the end, and uh, the left, he didn't care what Native Americans wanted or thought, and they still don't. So imagine that, 90% of the Amer- Native Americans Americans don't have a problem with the Redskins or the Indians for that matter according to that Washington Post poll so unbelievable and then I got a story coming up on the Russian theme Rushy, Russian <laughs> hockey player charged oh with God. espionage in Poland oh, we'll right. get to that in a little bit yeah he, absolutely he didn't, he didn't skate out a window no he didn't skate out a All window right. nope absolutely he got boarded and that's a wrap in Sports <laughs> Big D back to you
0: <laughs> alright Friday night what even is that coming up with Rick Delgado when we get back plus we'll do more news more sports We'll go back to 2019 and listen to um, a then-presidential candidate talking about student loans. Oh, it's so different from what we get today. Guess who it is. Oh, that's right. Come on, man. All right, we're back after this. Hour two coming up. Live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Real America's Voice. Glad you're a part of the show as always. Sick Rick's doing sports. Rick Delgado's doing the news. Aaron and Fran holding it down as always. Talking about a lot in the news today. The Supreme Court uh, decisions obviously is what um, has captured everybody today. Obviously and yesterday as well. The affirmative action. And today the... Student loan goes down. Uh, religious uh, liberty, free speech goes down in that Colorado case. Um,
2: uh, and so- the uh, and the job openings in Russia.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we yeah, yeah oh <laughs> talked about that too. So um, here's Biden in 2019. You want to know how disingenuous this guy is in this whole move for student loans, and if it if you think it's anything other than bowing to the squad and to Bernie Sanders and to Elizabeth Warren and trying to basically buy off this voter base with a promise that he never should have made. He knew he couldn't fulfill, but they just continued to push him and push him and push him. Here he is in 2019 while running for president in a CNN town
2: hall. But to come along and say you're going to find, you're going to fund a 35 $34, 40000000000000 trillion plan in 10 years, $1.7 trillion in student debt will be forgiven for all universities. I can understand. I think we can get to the point we can have four-year public universities covered. But why should in fact these people out here pay for the
3: fact that my kids had a significant debt but they went to Yale and they
2: went to Penn and they went for incredibly high tuitions? Why should that be free? But to come on along... That's in
0: 2019. Ah. Today he puts out tweets saying, "Oh, Mm -hmm. unthinkable that they won't let me redistribute wealth like this right that's him in 2019 while running for president so this is nothing more than him trying to cave and bow to the marxist even farther left than he is part of his party that pushed them on this he knew he couldn't get it through so I don't want to hear about this as a terrible position for him now because he can't fulfill this promise. It was a terrible position to put him in this position. That was the terrible decision because he knew he wasn't, this wasn't going to go through. He stated it there. Pelosi stated it. Pelosi was used in the opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's the best. <laughs> so let's not act like anybody thought this was even up for a debate, that this was not even, I mean, the fact that it should be nine, nothing. The fact that it's 6-3 just tells you where we are with the three. They argue yesterday uh, uh, for discrimination. Today, oh, that's terrible. It's terrible, this case. I can't believe what we're doing. So, you. I mean, all right, it's time now for one of my new favorite segments here on the show. And that, of course, is Rick Delgado with what even is that?
2: Thank you, Damon, and, and hey, now, I know this may not be new to, you know, you guys or you guys out there, but here's something that has changed. Hmm. Here's what I mean. Okay. Are we finally starting to be allowed to ask this question? Oh, boy. I mean, just look. What? Look at the crying. It states it right there. Ru- rumors about Barack and Michelle Obama's gender remain persistent. Wait. Did I miss a meeting or something? Uh, seriously, what even is that? Well, that, believe it or not, that's a screen grab of one of the latest shows by one of our favorite truth tellers, somebody Damon mentioned uh, yesterday, Jason Whitlock. Mm-hmm. But that's not what—not you know, not even what he spent his whole show talking about, believe it or not. Um, if anything, the question he really ends up basically addressing with his audience and his two guests is, who's freaking kids are these? Yeah, I swear it's like the Mexican word of the day meme, right? And what's crazy is that he admits that it's kind of always been there, but he never really bothered to to look at it. I guess until now, since this whole, you know, gender thing has become insane uh, and front and center as a cultural issue that's infected just about everything in this country. Here, watch for yourself as he gets the topic started off.
3: This is mind-blowing to me. <laughs> and so... And this is where I'm – we're going off into the deepest end of the pool, and I'm going to irritate people, but I don't (laughs) care at this point. It has to be discussed.
2: Yeah, and he knows the potential of what he's doing here, but as
3: he says – But I don't care at this point. It has to be
2: discussed. (laughs) So So. let's let it rock, Jason. You don't care. Hell, I don't care. I know most of you don't care. So here's what's crazy. Whitlock gets it started, right? He plays the Joan Rivers video. Maybe you've seen it. You probably have. Where she says Obama is gay and Michelle is a tranny. And he acknowledges (laughs) that she's dead basically a month later. But then he references a tweet by this guy named Stu Peters that says, as you can see it here, from the tweet barack doesn't have children and he definitely didn't have them with michelle martin Nesbeth and anita blanchard are sasha and malia's real parents and i guess when he pulled up the pictures he saw this for himself
3: these are just facts what they look like i'm not saying that they're the parents but what an amazing coincidence <laughs> That the founder of of the chairman of the Obama Foundation looks like Barack Obama's father. Looks identical. What an incredible coincidence. And then the doctor who the media says delivered the babies. Incredible. She looks like the youngest daughter. I mean, my, give me the lottery ticket numbers,
2: please. Somebody, <laughs> how does this happen? I mean, really, what are the chances? I mean, Jason also mentioned the odd thing of these two couples with the kids. They're always going on vacation together. And later on with his guest, Shamika Michelle, he raises probably the most important question. Anyone, if they were Barack Obama, would probably be asking if this was their situation. If I
3: had some kids that looked like my best friend, <laughs> I would explain it. I, I, I'm just sorry. If I had kids that looked like my best friend and somebody that worked for me for 20 years, I would explain it's like, I know this is crazy, y'all. I know what you're thinking, <laughs> but trust me, here's the DNA proof. Here's blah, blah, blah. I, I, at the very least, you would have to think, Did this man bang my wife? I'm just sorry. And I'm just keeping it real.
2: (laughs) You know what? He's keeping it real. (laughs) Yeah, he ain't lying. (laughs) Because you know what? There have been instances like this before with people and couples and the potential shenanigans that go on. We hear about this stuff all the time, but it's funny that the elite and the entitled have this way of, uh, say, flaunting things like this in your face and daring anyone to question it. It's not that they're stupid. They just think we're stupid, but we're not.
3: And America's not blind. Somebody has to explain this. It's worthy of an explanation, or you should have got rid of these people <laughs> and so, literally like distance yourself from them. You got rid of Reverend Wright. You distance <laughs> yourself from him. Don't make this man the head of the Obama Foundation if he looks just like your oldest daughter, and. And just the whole story, I mean, the woman delivers the baby. How, How? I mean, this woman delivers the baby and looks just like the youngest baby. Somebody, (laughs) please, God,
2: help me understand this. Help me.
3: Yeah, we may, the Kardashians, give us a a reason.
2: Sorry, Mr. Whitlock. I don't think we can help you, but we can offer you this. Exactly. And don't be surprised if you end up dodging some of those that he dealt with in that as well. So there you have it. A well respected and nationally recognized radio and TV show host who finally asked what all of us nutbags have been wondering for now close to a decade. And maybe for obvious reasons, um, you know what I mean? Maybe, just maybe. This guy isn't as crazy as they keep telling us. Oh, and by the way, I reached out to Jason for a comment (laughs) on the Paul Pelosi and the naked homeless guy at the 2 a.m. Hammer Fight Club scene uh, and the incident to see if he had any thoughts on the subject. Because, you know, like I said, I've said this once or twice before. I don't know if you remember (laughs) that I'm never letting this go. And here's what he had to say. Somebody please god help me understand this. Yeah. Me. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know what, Damon, back to you. I know exactly how Jason feels. Please god, somebody help me. What? What yes, does that I, mean? I know exactly how he feels.
1: So, I, you have those questions too. <laughs> every night we come on in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, I do. Every single night. Please god help me. <laughs> what? Well, no, I'm I not. mean, <laughs> the I, just, fa- I mean, listen, Whitlock said maybe the truest thing he said in that whole thing is he was going out to the deep end of the pool. He did. And he certainly
2: did that. He went yes, out to the deep end of did. the pool. Oof. Um, I just find it interesting that somebody of his caliber, it, it, it just because then it get, gets you wondering, well, who's going to be the next person who might bring this up? Maybe that is even uh, on a more mainstream scale. You know, where these questions start to really get answered, or, or asked at least. Well, it begs the question. The pi- pictures don't lie.
0: Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, do they need to be asked or answered? No one, has to, no one has to justify their kids, do they? Do yeah. they have to be answered because they're, the, because they're so public?
2: I, thi- I think, uh, it, it, well, at this point, they've been portrayed as such, yeah. right? If, if up, you're, you're going to claim family. something, um, you
1: should have some receipts for it, right? Yeah. Again, former first family. I think the yeah. Americans have the right to know about that. Especially, the White House for, it is.
2: especially if one might be considered uh, the, the second coming good point. of the Democrat Party. Good point.
0: Very good point. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if someone have asked me about my kids, I'd tell them to go, to go you know what? I don't care what the question was. You, you, you know, I don't have to give you an answer. But I'm, I'm not the former president of the United States right. and whatever. But the fact that Whitlock took this on was, um, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I was surprised, actually.
2: That, that's probably what got my attention was that he did take it on. And it wasn't just a quick mention. It was, you know, his show was almost two hours long. He spent basically an hour and a half on his subject. Was it a Friday? Could have
0: been. Yeah, did they go off the rails on Friday, too?
2: I think he does Russian news, too.
0: <laughs> I mean, I understand the fascination around it, but I, I, again, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, as a father, I put myself in those shoes. If someone had questions, I, I, I mean, I, I, it's just none of your damn business. It's just none of your damn business. But I don't know if comparing my situation or your situation to his is the same. I'm not sure. I would
2: submit that it's not the same. Not nah, me too. I agree. Friend? Because, you know, you're asking for a, a certain level of trust from the public, right?
3: Well, I know when, when
0: he was in the White House, he ver- shielded the kids from the public eye as much as he could. But now that they're out doing their own thing, he really doesn't have that ability anymore. I mean, Willock certainly brings up legitimate questions mm-hmm. about the relationship with these people, why they're, you know. I and mean, there's no doubt about that. He brings up legitimate questions. I just don't know whether if, if, anyone ha- if he deserves an answer.
2: And the funny part is the show was supposed to be about the gender part, about Barack and his sexuality and, and his wife as well. Hmm. And it, it kind of it went off uh, onto the kids, most of it. It was, it was uh, definitely interesting. All right, live
0: from Studio 6B on a Friday. More to do. We're back right after this. Only on a Friday night. Blues sound better on a Friday night. I don't know why that is, but it does. Slick Rick, don't you agree? Of course you do. Well, let me talk to you about our friends at Birch Gold. Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for like the 970th time, of course. Paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the U.S. dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you going to protect your savings? Well, times like these, that's a great reminder that one way you can protect your savings is to diversify a portion of that savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. And here's the easiest way to do it. Birch Gold will help you convert an an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. As the BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, More and more central banks are diversifying as well. And you know what they're diversifying into? Well, they're buying gold. You should follow their lead. Text America right now to 989898 and get your free information kit on gold. No obligation, just information. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers, Birch Gold can help protect your savings too. Text America. To 989898. Do it today. Take action today. No obligation, just information. No obligation, just information. Good God Almighty. <laughs> I like oh, that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right, text America to 989898. What the hell is wrong with me? I have no idea. All right, uh, Birch Gold. 19 past the hour, live from Studio 6P. Let's do some sports. (laughs) Lord, great googly moogly. And here at Sports is uh, Slick Rick Rick Amorati. Sports brought to you by our friend Mike Lindell and MyPillow. Use our code LFS6P at checkout. Slick so, Rick, what's going on?
1: Right, well, speaking of just the information, Big D, Russian <laughs> hockey player charged with espionage in Poland. This is originally posted on the Daily Faceoff by Stephen Ellis. A Russian-born hockey player participating in Poland has been charged with spying for Russia, according to Polish news outlets. Poland's international security agency detained 14 people who are believed to be part of this Russian spying. Poland is considered to be one of the Ukraine's biggest allies in the ongoing conflict with Russia. A statement from Polish Justice Minister Zbigniew Zibrow. Well, i God bless that one, said the player was competing in the second highest division of Polish hockey. Polish media outlets identified the suspect as Maxim S. There are only seven Russian players who have been who have played in the league this season, according to the Elite Prospects. Maxim Sergeyev is, um, uh, sorry, Sergeyev, is the only Maxim S competing. He also has the same exact stats as listed for Maxim S in a report from Polish. Hockey. Uh, Sergeyev, Sergeyev uh, has played in Russia over the past two years, registering two points and sixty-one penalty minutes in twenty-three games this year. A real star standout. No, I could do that. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> With one skate on. According to the BBC, the player is being held in pre-trial detention and could face up to ten years in prison if convicted. He has yet to release a public statement on the matter, as quoted by Russia's state-run Interfax news publication on Friday. Maria Zakara, uh, a spokesman for Russia, Russia's foreign ministry said, we express our strong protest to Warsaw and demand that the Russian side be given immediate and comprehensive explanations. Russia and Belarus are currently banned from international uh, tournaments held by the IIHF with both teams only competing with themselves and Kazakhstan in exhibition events held around the same time as these other major events. A total of 19 Russian players were taken at the 2023 NHL draft, including four in the first round, five Belarus, were also taken. Russian and Belarusian players are still permitted to play in the NHL. So, really crazy story there. So, you know, we'll keep track of that and see what happens. And, well, some good news for Giant fans, huh? Saquon Barkley, 585 pound squat, leaves social media in awe of strength once again. Barkley isn't new to shocking off-season workouts. Scott Thompson of Fox News, New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley stays in the weight room in the offseason, season and his latest workout shocked social media. Barkley's been known to put up weight that many could only dream of. And his latest leg day featured in a 585-pound squat. They don't call them say quads for nothing. Barkley <laughs> posted his squats on social media platforms showing two spots. I watched that, Big D. That ball was like, that ball was wobbling. That boy got down there and he was able to squat that. Eli,
0: so, Ma- Eli Manning tweeted, I used to put up more weight than that, but they didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, right. Okay, anything, Eli.
1: Anyway, just wanted to get that out there. Football season just around the corner, Camps open up the third week in July, which is just less than a month away, so we can't wait for the NFL. Well, at least I can't wait for the NFL. A lot of folks <laughs> on this chat can wait for the NFL. Now the
0: audience is jumping out of their seat yeah, for I know. it. Yeah, They can't wait.
1: They counted. Oh, but they back. like the odds makers, though. I'll tell they, you that. There that'll you be back. Yeah, we got to figure out what exactly it is that you owe me. Is it gaining any interest? I don't owe you <laughs> nothing. Yeah, oh, you yeah. owed me. Oh, no, pal. Uh-uh. I, 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 no, no. I rallied back after yeah, that NBA final. I think he's right. Oh, yeah. No, no, You no. shut I think up, Delgado. Right. I'll, I'll th- throw I'm you just out saying. of a Russian
0: window. I'll I'm throw sorry. you out of a window. That's <laughs> what I'll do to you. Next year, the limit, the, the base bet oh, for oddsmakers go. is going to be hundred grand for you. What? Nothing what,
1: for, less. What, what, for one game? One game. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. I must be getting a big raise. Oh, it like a big raise. <laughs> Talk about getting thrown out the window. Okay. It's a wrap in sports. Time to move on.
2: <laughs> Sounds like you get screwed. <laughs> that window's closing. <laughs> All, right. All, right.
0: All right, right, Slick Rick. We'll do some more sports before we wrap it up. Chris Hayes from MSNBC tweets this today. Lots of very bad things in this 6-3 majority has done. Oh, okay, Dobbs being the worst. But them deciding. Now listen to this last part of this. But them deciding that you are now $10,000 poorer than you were yesterday is really a hell of a thing. How do you frame, what world do you have to live in to frame this as somehow you're $10,000 poorer than you were yesterday? Because the Supreme Court didn't agree that Biden, who is not Congress, does not have the power of the purse and he cannot unilaterally take it away from Congress. And the, and the left frames that is somehow that the 6-3 majority on the court is taking money away from you as if you had it. Lots of very bad things in this 6-3 majority court has done, but them deciding that you are now $10,000 poorer than you were yesterday is really a hell of a thing, he says.
2: Hmm. That's interesting. I wonder for the people who don't have those loans, I, I wonder if you could frame it, hey, guess what? You get to keep the $10,000 they were going to steal from you. How about that for a take, Chris Hayes,
0: you buffoon? I mean, that is, that's a hell of a way to frame it, and that's a hell of a way to think about it.
2: Well, because they got to keep people at odds. They want, they want you to hate anybody that doesn't agree with it. So if, if you're on the side going, hey, good, I don't have to pay a uh, uh, debt that I didn't incur. Well, that makes you a horrible human being. So we must hate you. Meanwhile, I just played for you, Biden, in
0: 2019, basically saying, why should these people pay for my kids who went to Yale and Penn, who ran up big bills because they wanted to go to those schools to get their degree in underwater basket weaving or whatever the hell they got? <laughs> why should they have to pay for it? This is in 19. The guy today, unthinkable. It's not unthinkable. It's not even remotely unthinkable. It was 100% the guaranteed outcome. You knew it. Pelosi knew it. You all knew it. (laughs) But you bowed the knee to the Marxist uh, progressive, ultra progressive side. We need to put a name to them like they do ultra MAGA. We need to come up with some name for their, I mean, that's what you did. (laughs)
1: Ultra disaster. So you're in
0: a terrible position. And now you have a whole voting block of young people in Elizabeth Warren, High Chief Wackadoo, who's uh, got thoughts that you're, you know, not following through on your word. Well, blame the people who put you in this position because you knew it wasn't going to work. You said as much in 2019. There's no reason that your your opinion should be any different.
2: And he only thinks it's unthinkable because he doesn't remember he actually thought of it. (laughs) <laughs> That's a very good possibility. He doesn't
0: remember what he said in 2019, right. which is a good point. All right, more news when we get back right after this. Live from Studio 6B on a Friday night, 30 minutes past the hour. Glad you're a part of the show. It's been a great week. Again, we're going to be off till Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the weekend. Hope you enjoy the 4th of July holiday as well. Enjoy the Monday and the Tuesday. Uh, we'll be off those two nights. We'll be back on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. right here on live from Studio 6B. So enjoy the extended weekend, everybody. And we'll see you back on Wednesday uh, a couple of the things to get to. There's an article today in the Washington Times, and I'm just going to keep bringing these things up to kind of raise the red flag. People like um, who's the guy who go and goes around? Uh, Scott Pressler uh, has already kind of waved the red flag, saying, "Warning, warning! We need to pay attention here, GOP. We need to pay attention here. Let's get it together." Well, poll out today, swing state poll spells trouble for the GOP if the election were held today biden would win wisconsin voters in wisconsin are making news again today a poll released on wednesday and i I, you know i i don't need a hundred emails saying to me polls i I understand the polls what what polls mean now this far out i get it. it the point is just to be on top of this stuff poll released on wednesday by marquette university law school shows a close race in the Republican primary in a competitive race in a November 2024 election among Republicans and Republican-leaning voters in Wisconsin, 31% support former Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, 30% support Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, 6% support uh, Vice President Mike Pence, 5 support Senator Tim Scott, and 21%, as of right now, still, they are still undecided. This is the First significant poll that shows anyone within any striking distance of the former president. Uh, most poll poll, most post-polls show Mr. Trump winning by large margins if the primary elections were held today. And I would certainly not be surprised if he was to become the nominee in 2024. Still, it is interesting to see a close race in Wisconsin, a key state in both the 2016 and 2020 general elections. Mr. Trump carried the Badger State in his first campaign, while President Biden barely flipped it in 2020. Uh, Wisconsin will play a major role in determining the winner come 2024. The Marquette Law School poll of likely voters, conducted from October 24th to November 3rd, 2022, had Senator Ron Johnson, Wisconsin Republican, at 50% of the vote. In the end, he received 50.4%. His opponent, former Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes, received 49.4% of the vote. The poll had him at 48%. Poll director Charles Franklin has consistently been one of the most accurate public pollsters in the country. Remember, polls are just a snapshot in time and can be influenced by current events. Of course, for the most recent poll... 1,000 registered voters were interviewed from June 8th to June 13th. The margin of error for the full sample is plus or minus 4.3 percentage points. The results will certainly change in the coming months. An initial glance at the poll's results suggests momentum for the DeSantis campaign. The results of the general election question, however, raise red flags for each of the major Republican contenders. According to the respondents, if the election were held today, 49% of registered voters would cast a ballot for President Biden, 47% for Ron DeSantis. In a battle between the current and former presidents, 52% would vote for Mr. Biden, 43% would vote for President Trump. Yet only 45% approve of how Mr. Biden is doing his job, with 53% expressing disapproval. This is part of the ongoing challenge for conservatives across the country. Many Democratic-leaning voters disapprove of the Democratic candidate's job performance but still refuse to vote for any Republican. Senator John Fetterman is a sad example of this phenomenon. And this is a phenomenon we've talked about on this show, that Democrat voters will vote at their own demise, their own life's demise, their own security demise, their own financial demise just to vote for a Democrat. Much of that is driven by younger voters. In 2022, 18 to 29-year-old voters helped counter what early polling suggested would be a massive red wave in the midterm elections. These younger voters went with the radical candidates by 40 points or more in key battleground states as Wisconsin, Arizona, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. Making inroads with these younger voters will require more than a clever Uh, clever digital ads campaign, or student coalitions. We have to counter years of liberal indoctrination. And you wonder why Biden's fighting for uh, student loan forgiveness. This is why I'm honored to serve as the president of the Young Americans Foundation, blah, blah, blah. Looking ahead, conservatives need to have a strong presence on every college campus. We need to go beyond college and high school to reach middle school students, as well as support the parents of elementary and school students. We have to find ways to connect with young people where they are on their devices. So, um, you know, just another thing to, to pay attention to as we move into this election season. Anybody who tells yeah. you that uh, any Republican candidate is going to run away with this because Biden's an old feeble, decrepit, um, Marxist is just lying to you. That's not going to be the case.
2: And what's crazy is they admit he's not doing a good job. They know it. They feel it. They live it, right? But they're, they're but they're, um, but they're like the lobster crawling into the boiling water. They don't, they don't seem to care.
0: Yeah, their hatred for the other, the other guy or the other party outweighs their own demise. Man. Really, it's a sick phenomenon, yeah. right? To think about it
2: they they would rather jump out of the plane without the parachute then let the person they don't like give them the parachute. Or just land the plane, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> it's insane. Poof, crazy.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's do some more news here. Um, And the news is brought to you by our friends at Early Treatment Meds. EarlyTreatmentMeds.com. Use our code LFS6B for 50% off, especially that early treatment pack with the ivermectin. 50% off whatever you put in your cart. Rick Delgado, what's going on?
2: All right. You sure you want to do this? All right. Here we go. No, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) This is actually this will be an interesting story, believe it or not. As North Carolina's house advances a bill to study virtual currency, including Bitcoin. The North Carolina House of Representatives passed House Bill 721, which includes provisions to study the acquisition and potential benefits of virtual currency with a specific focus on Bitcoin itself. The bill titled State Precious Metals Depository Study aims to examine the process of securely holding, insuring, and liquidating uh, virtual currency on behalf of the state. It has now been referred to the Senate for further consideration. Language relating to the study of virtual currency, including the specific reference to Bitcoin was added after Dan Spuller, head of industry affairs of North Carolina's blockchain initiative, testified on behalf of the initiative in front of the North Carolina house standing committee. Spuller who highlighted the subsequent tweet that this was one of the many pro Bitcoin pushes the initiative is making in the state received unanimous support in the language being added to the bill, quoting directly from the bill. It states the expected impact of allocating a portion of general fund to virtual currency to hedge against inflation and Systemic credit risk reduces overall portfolio volatility and increases portfolio returns over time. The inclusion of virtual currency and Bitcoin in the legislation showcases North Carolina's proactive approach to studying Bitcoin and exploring its potential benefits.
0: Yeah, there's been no greater hedge against inflation than Bitcoin. Damon, what are you talking about? It hasn't gone up. It came down. Okay, fine. Uh, let's measure it from when we started actually printing money like it was going out of style, which was 2019, when rates were almost effectively zero. And we were still pressing on the Federal Reserve to cut rates, cut rates, cut rates while everything was flying. Bitcoin was at 3000 From 19, 20, 21, as we were printing and printing and printing and we were setting up for the, what inflation was about to come, And it was already starting. It went to sixty thousand. So yes, did it come back down to fourteen thousand? Yes, and now sits at thirty thousand. It was at three thousand in two thousand nineteen. There is no other place you could have put your money to hedge inflation and had that money grow as much as it has grown there. Not another place to
2: find. Unless Nancy Pelosi did it for you. Oh
0: yeah. (laughs) Even her call options, I don't think made her that much. Right.
2: Hey, uh, I know we were talking about this earlier, uh, layoffs, but now let's talk about layoffs in this country. A wave of Bay Area tech layoffs is foreshadowing worse to come. According to uh, some in the industry, tech giants have laid off thousands of workers. Well-funded startups are shutting down, and the industry itself hasn't seen an IPO in 18 months. Despite lofty stock prices and eye-popping salaries at the top firm, ominous signs abound for much of the Bay Area's dominant sector. After a flood of easy money during the pandemic, the venture capital firms that pump cash into Silicon Valley tech startups have grown thriftier, leaving a plethora of pre-profit startups with few lifelines and dwindling coffers. In 2021, the tech industry grew quickly and sometimes unsustainably. Meta and Alphabet added tens of thousands of employees as digital ad spending each firm's main revenue source soared. Venture capital backed the companies almost doubled the previous record of investment funding and raised $330 billion across more than 17,000 deals. But companies rarely get all that money at once. It's typical to raise progressively larger rounds until an exit, like an initial public offering or company sale. Fewer exit opportunities mean less investor faith in pricey funding rounds, and interest rates are rising. There are safer places to grow money than late-stage startups, according to PitchBook, a uh, a quarterly in the uh, venture capital field for techs, uh, for tech. Companies. Jennifer Nudoffer, a general partner at January Ventures, told Insider that this might be a Darwinian moment, Darwinian moment for startups. Um, high-flying tech startups have already started to fail, taking their employees with them. Zoom, a Bay Area pizza delivery startup that got four hundred forty-five 445 million, just shut down. Meanwhile, job cuts haven't ceased. The biggest firms often characterize their layoff rounds as corrections or overhiring during the pandemic as smaller companies are paring back workforces as well tech startups and their funders in silicon valley have thrived for years but under a specific economic model federal interest rates have been near zero yeah. higher for longer
0: <laughs> is not that model
2: right I have been near zero for most of the past decade now as the industry accumulates, assimilates to a new normal corporate casualties are emerging so we're yep. watching uh, a lot of corrections and a lot of things happening in the tech industry, and they're and they're saying this could be uh, this could be one of those moments where there's a, it makes the uh, 2008 uh, banking crisis look like a drop in the bucket.
0: Or- nah, well that's not that's not going to be the Damn, case. That was bad. Um, I mean we hit the half the half point way obviously on the on the year, and you look at um you look at how the Nasdaq and some of it has rebounded. Closed today around. 15,180, I believe it was, uh, up, up about 1.6% today. Dow, I think, closed around 34,430, something like that. And obviously, the markets have responded um, and priced in higher for longer, I think, a little bit. And I think people are starting to wonder if there may not be a soft landing out there from the Fed, but certainly any talk of uh, a deep, long, drawn out recession. Uh, has seemingly the chances of that has seemingly come down i don't think it's necessarily off the table you could have some catastrophe that none of us see coming but certainly the markets have responded here and people are talking about the last half of the year um Fundstrat's tom lee has been on this more than almost accurate more than almost anybody that the second half of the year you know these first this next quarter third quarter could still see some volatility yeah. But really, the fourth quarter turning into next year could be very good. Could be very good with continued expansion on, um, on, on all markets. Commodities do well. Bitcoin's going to do well. Gold's going to do well. Uh, crypto's going to do well overall, I think, going into 24. So there, there's some hope out there. I, can't, I cannot see a replay of 2008 at this point, but you never know. All right, live from Studio 6B, more news and sports. We'll wrap it up when we get back right after this. From Studio Six B on a Friday night, just to uh, just to expand a little bit on where we just uh, ended off. The other thing to remember, especially if you're looking at Bitcoin like North Carolina is now, um, they're not the only ones looking at it. And uh, you know, a lot of these markets, what what drives them up or down is whatever the narrative of, of the time is. And right now, the narrative couldn't be is really turning extremely positive. Uh, for Bitcoin specifically, because you've got Fidelity with about $7 trillion under assets, uh, talking about and has filed for a Bitcoin ETF, an exchange-traded fund. You have BlackRock, the biggest in the world, with about... 18 trillion under whatever it is i thought i thought it was only like eight or nine but someone said it was more in the 15 to 18 range under management they filed for a bitcoin etf you have charles schwab who has applied for a bt uh an etf you have obviously arc investment under kathy wood who has also applied and so far the um the federal reserve has always not the federal reserve the sec and, and gensler has always said no to these and and other, not just Gensler, other have too, Jay Clayton did before him, but um, the the narrative is building that it's going to be harder and harder, especially now with BlackRock having applied to, um, to continue to say no. And remember, you have a fixed supply of Bitcoin out there. There's only going to be a certain amount, and that's it. And it's not even 21 million that people tell you it is, because there's a bunch of them that are lost, and there's a bunch of them that are never going to move and never be sold. So... You know, you get, you get a couple trillion dollars of, of money that's interested in this, and there's just not enough of them to go around. So when people talk about the explosive price increase that could be there, that, that's why. Because unlike dollars, you can't print more of them on a whim. There'll never be more than there are now. So that kind of, that's, that's part of it. So um, let's do a little sports and little news before we wrap it up and here what sports is. Slick Rick, Rick Amirati. Sports brought to you, of course, by Mike Lindell. Use our promo code LFS6B when you shop there. And if you do, get your um, receipts in by Tuesday on the 4th. We'll make sure we get all the last-minute T-shirts and all for free, whatever you're requesting, whether it's a Slick Rick sports shirt, what even is that shirt, 2 a.m. Naked Hammer Fight Club shirt. Send us your MyPillow receipts. Forward it to us. And when you forward the receipt, just include what you want from our store. Size, color, selection. Send all emails to LFS6B at yahoo.com. And we will get them out here in the next week. Uh, to two weeks. Slick Rick, what's going on?
1: All right, let's do a little cycling. Big D, we got the Tour de France starting up this week. Oh, listen up, week. Rick. Yeah. yeah. Rick, our resident cyclist, uh, Flex Armstrong over here. And <laughs> here we go. Brandon <laughs> McNulty from Phoenix, Arizona, and his pro team, UAE Team Emirates, uh, ruled the rounds of Oak Ridge, Tennessee and won the Elite Men's Time uh, Trial title at the USA Cycling Pro Road National Championships. Will Barter finished second 132 behind McNulty and earned the silver medal, two-time US IT Winner winner Joe, Joey Roscoff uh, completed the podium in third two minutes back. The 25-year-old McNulty stormed across the 34.9-kilometer course in the rain last Wednesday afternoon and increased the time deficits on his competitors with each lap to finish in a winning time of 40-39. Great score. McNulty adds the his this elite men's U.S. team trial title to his under-23 win in 2017 and a silver medal in junior ITT in 2016. He's also a former world championship where he won the title in 2016. He's won a silver and bronze in the under-23 division. And, uh, well, this guy's done quite a bit, actually. Uh, next, he's off to the Tour de France where he looks to help his Slovenian teammate win a third Tour de France, which starts, as I mentioned, next week. Now, Rick, you have some relationship with the show. Yeah, Merrick.
2: I know his dad. Wow. through my buddy out in Arizona. So congratulations to the McNulty family. They were very
1: excited. And this is uh, well-deserved. Good kid. Absolutely. Fantastic stuff. And, uh, well, you got Wimbledon starting up, actually, on the third Big D. Monday, Wimbledon. Novak Djokovic looking to go out there and seeking his eighth title uh, and record 24th Grand Slam, the great Novak Djokovic. And, well, NASCAR is in Chicago this weekend. Big street race. Let's hope the only fireworks are in the air and on the track and nowhere else because we know how Chicago can roll. But, uh, anyway, Big D, that's a wrap in sports. Back to you. All
0: right, Slick so, Rick. Very good. Uh, again, we're going to be off uh, Monday and Tuesday. So you will not see us again till Wednesday night right here, 8 p.m. on Real America's Voice. Enjoy the weekend, everybody. Enjoy the 4th of July holiday and Monday and Tuesday off. Uh, let's do a little more news before we wrap it up. Rick Delgado News is brought to you by Early Treatment Meds. Early Treatment Meds, all one word, dot .com. What's going on?
2: All right. Well, this story is a kind of a revisiting of a story that David Zier brought us about a week or so ago as Michigan's House of Representatives have passed a hate speech Speech Bill, known as HB 4474, which, check this out, criminalizes causing someone to feel threatened by words, including the misusing of their pronouns, with oh. the possibility of a hefty fine and even jail time. Yes, words hurt me. The bill introduces hate crime penalties for causing someone to feel terrorized or frightened or threatened with sexual orientation or gender identity or expression including uh, and included them as a protected class offenders could face 5 years in prison for such felony offense or a $10,000 fine i wonder if this works if a, if a uh, if a drag queen is shaking his junk in your face
1: yeah right you might It'd be, be
2: feeling terrorized with that we'll see if michigan uh, how they address that it's part of the continued effort by democrats in the state to advance this pro-LGBTQ garbage agenda in the first months of power. The proposed legislation aims to replace the existing Ethnic Intimidation Act and extends protection against intimidation. Um, of course, argue-
0: the, case, the case decided today on this designer, you would think, would I mean, really makes this law moot, you would think, because it's, it's very similar in, in a free speech um, free speech case that could be brought... Uh, If something like this was to ever be charged in Michigan.
2: Yeah, because then, of course, the people fighting, it could go right to the Supreme Court. Uh, critics argue the bill poses a threat to, as we just stated, the Supreme Court through the First Amendment rights and lacks a clarity in defining harassment, leaving it open to subjective interpretation. The bill reads as follows. Intimidate means a willful course of conduct involving repeated and continuing harassment of another individual that would yeah. cause reasonable individual to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened, and that actually causes the victim to feel terrorized, frightened, or threatened. If passed, penalties would be Based on how the supposed victim and court feel about it's all about <laughs> feelings. There's no actual facts. There's nothing. Feelings. There's nothing you could put your hands on because, well, it's all feelings. What constitutes as being deemed intimidation or harassment? What would be up to the interpretation of the listener and the local prosecutor. And critics argue that the legislation could infringe on free speech rights and undermine the pr- principles of due process. I think it's safe to
1: say. This will be fought out in Supreme Court. <laughs> so, so much for Independence Day, huh? Yeah, exactly. You know
0: who's uh, feeling pressured and um, insecure is the president today because of tweets like this, Aaron, throw this up. And this is what he's going to get all weekend long uh, from everybody, from Elizabeth Warren on, Ayanna Presley, to every borrower who feels defeated by this callous Supreme Court ruling. I am fighting for you, and this isn't over. I'm calling on POTUS and Secretary Cardona to immediately use other authorities. Oh. To cancel student debt. A promise is a promise.
2: Well, And you know there they, you go. You know There's the say. crux yeah. of it. <laughs> Promises are made to be broken. Yeah, a so promise is a
0: promise. Yeah. And they'll settle for nothing less. We want redistribution of wealth. I don't care what the president said in 19. I don't care what. You, that's good, Aaron. I don't care what, um, don't care what the law we is. knew was going to happen here that this wasn't right. going to go through. And we certainly don't care. What the six insignificant justices on the Supreme Court uh, think. (laughs) We'll keep attacking them all weekend as well.
2: Yeah, Uh, And real quick, just to finish up on that, uh, of course, talking about the affirmative action, Harvard uh, seeks to get around it. Believe it or not, by asking a simple question on the uh, entrance exams or entrance forms, uh, one of which has been noted here. Number three, which of these three sauces do you like best, barbecue, soy or ranch? This coming out of the admissions faculty at Harvard, uh, devastated upon hearing the news that they can no longer use racial discrimination. <laughs>
0: As always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the Live from Studio 6B audience. Enjoy the time off, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. Happy Fourth of July to everybody. We will see you on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. right here. Real America's Voice.